Okay, welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... I'm Candice Lepage. Candice, happy week before Halloween. Oh my gosh, is it already? That... Oh, wow. I haven't had enough fun this month yet. We need to extend it. It comes... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we should have Halloween too in November. Um, sure. Or move up Halloween to September since we're already like co-opting September anyway. I mean, you know, Value Village has stuff out in August, so might as well make September 30th Halloween one, and then have Halloween two <laughs> on October 31st. Perfect. <laughs> you start reclaiming Halloween because, like, by the time you get to the middle of October, the stores are putting Christmas stuff out. So it's which makes it's my- true. I walked. I walked into Canadian Tire the other day, and mm-hmm. the first display as you come in is just a bunch of like hanging kind of um, like lawn ornament things that you would hang from your like porch and stuff for Halloween. And then right as you turn the corner, it's suddenly like all Christmas trees. And I was like, whoa, that's mm-hmm. like they're not even trying to separate these two things. No, there's no effort. And it makes my niece happy because she's really looking forward to Christmas and has been looking forward to Christmas since the summer. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a it maybe it maybe it's a bit much. I don't know. Well, and as everybody knows, this is the hardest time of the year for me because the beginning of the Hallmark Christmas slate of movies started on Friday, October twentieth. That's right. So, and I'm still in my hundred horror movies, you know, challenge until the thirty first. So I've got to figure out, you know, how to yeah. how to navigate this or how to hold off basically on Christmas movies until November. Pray for Candace. Uh, end credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and re- review the newest movies, which this week will be the new supernatural horror sequel, The Exorcist Believer, which you can now see in a theater near you. Uh, for the back half of the show, uh, we're going to review that for the first half of the show. Um, because it is Halloween week, um, we are going to hold... I was going to say the first annual, but that may not have come back to this, but uh, especially since we're doing years. Uh, anyway, we're going to hand out the horror Oscars, which is an idea I stole from the Big Picture podcast. So uh, no copyright infringement. It's an, it's an homage. Um, but since this year is the 50th anniversary of the release of The Exorcist, um, which is in part why we get Exorcist Believer, um, we're going to do every 10 years the horror oscars for every 10 years and what that means is we're going to choose the best picture if it was only if it was only horror movies so if the best picture was only horror movies for 1973 1983 1993 2003 and 2013 we are going to choose best picture what i have done is i have um put myself in the mindset of academy voters to look at the list of horror movies released in a given year and and decide that this would be the five that would get nominated. Um, Candace may have some disagreements, but uh, what I've tried to do is I've tried to eliminate like reevaluations, reappraisals, kind of looking at what people were thinking, what critics were thinking, what the audience was thinking in at the time these movies were released. So, you know, something like I don't know. Uh, what's been reappraised, like let's say Psycho 2 or Halloween 3, 
what you know those movies have kind of had reprisals in recent years um but were kind of not well liked when they were first released um also i try to take balance things like you know notoriety and popularity of actors in a given movie or popularity of directors because you know the academy has their favorites and they definitely have the people they don't like ask adam sandler about that um <laughs> so uh these are some of the considerations i've been making uh in terms of coming up with the nominees candace is aware of the nominees and mm-hmm. so we are going to read through the list of nominees for each year uh have a little bit of a debate about who should get the oscar for best picture and then we will give out the award candace are you ready i am ready all righty uh, so here are the nominees for Best Horror Picture in 1973. The Crazies from director George Romero. The Creeping Flesh from Freddie Francis. Don't Look Now by Nicholas Rogue. The Exorcist by William Friedkin. And The Wicker Man by Robin Hardy. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Candace, your initial thoughts about the slate here? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> this one's hard since The Exorcist did literally win. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so obviously, no other horror film can can really compare to that one since none of the other ones were even nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Um, so you know, it's the seventies is it's a is a hard one, but uh, I, I do. I mean, I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the movie The Exorcist Believer, but... I've got a lot to say about Exorcist Believer, just you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) The the Exorcist is obviously an incredible film. Mm -hmm. Really well-paced. You really care about the characters. But if that wasn't, if that wasn't in the slate, I I really think Don't Look Now is Mm -hmm. like... An incredible film that, mm. um, yeah, people. A lot of people just don't know about it. They've never seen it, or maybe they know a little bit. And they've seen kind of like clips of the child in a red rain jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's very good. But it's also really similar to The Exorcist. Has that seventies sensibility of pacing, mm-hmm. in that it's slow. We find out a lot about the characters. Um, unlike The Exorcist, <laughs> everything gets really wild. Um, <laughs> like in the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because The Exorcist kind of starts going wild about halfway through the movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, if The Exorcist didn't exist, I think Don't Look Now would be the winner. But obviously, it's The Exorcist. I mean, what yeah. are you gonna do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I concur. It, it's it's one of those things where it, the commercial aspect lines up. It was a big box office hit. It's it's the critical aspect lines up. All the critics loved it. Um, just a quick note: the Exorcist was nominated for Best Picture in 1973, but it lost to The Sting. Oh, that's which is, right. It's probably a movie not a lot of people in 2023 are revisiting. Um, but they should. They should. No, I'm, I like the sting. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but they, but you know, um, it chances are between two movies. Are you watching 
The Exorcist or are you watching The Sting? Chances are you've probably watched The Exorcist. So I think the answer to this one is obvious. Uh, the winner for Best Picture Horror 1973 is The Exorcist. All right, so moving on, uh, we are going to 1983. Uh, and the nominees are Christine, directed by John Carpenter. The Entity, directed by Sidney J. Fury. The Hunger, by Tony Scott. Something Wicked This Way Comes, by Jack Clayton. And Videodrome, by Canada's own David Cronenberg. And I just want to take a moment here to plug the uh, the recent Once Upon a Time in Hollywood North podcast, which did a Cronenberg series really fast, really well done. It, it, if Even if you think you know the Cronenberg story, um, it, a lot of really great insights. And, and it's it's like six or seven 30 minute episodes. So it's a really easy, easy listen. But um, that's not presupposing a judgment here. So, um, Candice, your thoughts <laughs> on the 1983 slate? Yes. Well, so the 1983 slate is the one uh, I have the most notes for. Okay. Um, so, interestingly, I have only seen one of these films. Mm -hmm. uh, and unsurprisingly, that's Christine. <laughs> um, you know, my love of John Carpenter and Stephen King obviously makes that uh, uh, pretty obvious. Um, that's why it makes the list two great flavors, one great package. Yeah. yeah. I, I <laughs> feel like I probably did see Something Wicked This Way Comes when I was younger, and I have a suspicion that I've seen The Hunger, but maybe it's just the many times that I've seen clips from the um, uh, questionable sex scenes. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so it's hard hard <laughs> to say. I, I do, while these are all very good films and, and um, I've considered watching Videodrome a million and a half times, and I always stop because of the James Woods of it all. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a very good list, but I do think that there are uh, two films that, for me, I would put on the 1983 list, and mm. at least one of them, I think, um, is maybe preferred over some of these, but so both Cujo and The Dead Zone also came out in 1983. Mm -hmm. um, I preferred Cujo to Christine immensely. Mm -hmm. I think Cujo is actually one of the best films, the best Stephen King films made from, from one of his novels. Mm -hmm. um, it, it has this intensity that's just like, you feel it. Like, you might as well be sweating in that car. Um. So, like, I would have said Cujo over this, but The Dead Zone, interestingly, also a David Cronenberg film. Mm -hmm. So he was a very busy man that year. And mm -hmm. um, the the 1983 David Cronenberg film that I have watched and rewatched <laughs> and possibly one of Christopher Walken's most um, sedate performances, <laughs> his, his least Christopher Walken <laughs> performance. That's true. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also yeah, has, if I have also has choose... Martin Sheen as evil Jed Bartlett, so right, I know he's so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I had to choose from the list that you delivered, I have to say Christine because it's actually the only one that I know for sure that I have seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and while I liked Christine, I think I didn't enjoy the film as much because that's also one of the books that I most like by Stephen King and had reread. Like it was one that I regularly reread as a young person. So the book is 
far better than the movie. I find the movie actually to be fairly disappointing, mm. especially considering the cast and that it's John Carpenter, just mm-hmm. as because I know the book so well. And there's mm. a lot. The book has a lot. I, <laughs> like whole themes that aren't <laughs> even present in the movie. I, I having not read the book, I I I think the movie Christine is just fine. I, I like that cast. Um The Hunger, it's Tony Scott's first film and it's like it's super stylish. It's like real it's like really marks the arrival of of a of a, of a talented director, I think. Something Wicked This Way comes. It's kind of like the Merchant Ivory pick because it's like a period piece. It's like a bit of like Norman Rock, Rockwell Americana. It's also a Disney picture when Disney made things that weren't remakes of animated films that were yeah. hits in the past. Um, and the Entity too. The Entity is like poltergeist, but like taken to like it, the, the extreme side of things. And, and it's got a really great Barbara Hershey performance in it. Um, the Academy is overruling Candace because I think the overwhelming <laughs> choice is for the 1983 Oscar for Best Picture goes to Homegrown Hero David Cronenberg for Videodrome, which is kind of it marks his arrival. Um, it is sort of like the beginning. Well, it's not the beginning of his sort of body horror aesthetic, but it sort of combines everything he was working up to. Um, com- like he literally consulted with Marshall McLuhan on some of the media aspects to it. Um, it marks like his arrival, um, just as he's about to go on to those bigger projects. So things like the Dead Zone he did after this, but also the Fly and uh, Dead Ringers, which you know also le- you know gets him to the end of the '80s and launches him to make even sort of like weirder choices going into the '90s. So the Best Picture Oscar goes to. Videodrome. I'll concede that one. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fair enough. You don't want to cross the academy, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, 1993. Uh, the nominees are Chronos uh, from director Guillermo del Toro, Dead Alive or Brain Dead by Peter Jackson, Fire in the Sky by Robert Lieberman, Hocus Pocus by Katie Ortega. Uh, although co-written by Mick Garris. I think that's always worth pointing mm. out. Um, and then last uh, but not least, So I Married an Axe Murderer by Thomas Schlamme. Um, uh, let me just offer my notes for, for a quick sec. Chronos uh, is Del Toro's first uh, feature. Um, so, that you know, it's it's kind of like he comes out of the gate um, really with a real strong sense of of self and story and aesthetic um dead alive uh peter jackson's third film he's he's peter jackson in this is kind of like the he's he's kind of like the todd field of the horror um genre at, at this point where it's like he always gets the nomination or david finchner you know he always gets the nomination doesn't quite get across the finish line but people recognize the skill um fire in the sky it, it's it's kind of like an actor's horror movie because it's you know db sweeney trying to deal with the the aftermath of an alien abduction hocus pocus i mean it's kind of a lean year but hocus pocus is kind of like the fun family uh box office hitty choice and so i married an axe murderer um this is mike myers off of also his name is mike myers um hey 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 yeah i get i get it yeah. okay um <laughs> but he's coming off wayne's world and he's taking this big swing it's not what you might expect from snl alum box office hit for Wayne's World, Mike Myers. 
Um, so it's kind of like the dark horse, but uh, Candice, your notes. Yeah. So um, count me as one of the Gen X women who is not like the world's biggest Hocus Pocus fan. Fair. I don't uh, get it either. But yeah. <laughs> like I even like I, I saw it as a young person and mm-hmm. it existed and it, I moved on. It existed. Um, all right. Yeah, I rewatched it last year on Halloween because I was like, everybody, every single like horror podcast I listen to, which are almost all of them are have women <laughs> co-hosts or are entirely hosted by women, are like just raving about Hocus Pocus and how much they love it. it maybe, maybe it's worth a rewatch. And so I rewatched it and I went, uh huh, yeah, okay, that's a movie that existed. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, so um yeah i'm surprised the academy even put it on the list but uh I, but yes the the uh 90s were a hard time for horror like mm-hmm. with the scream you know was it 96 the scream came out and people were talking yep. about how it's like a resurgence in horror that's a real thing because yep. it wasn't yep. really a lot going on in horror in the 90s um fire in the sky was a film that stuck with me forever i watched that um, and was terrified by it when when I was uh, a teenager. Yeah. But I do have to say, um, I had actually never seen Kronos, mm-hmm. and I watched it yesterday mm-hmm. because um, uh, because why not? Because here it was on the list, and it's one <laughs> I had never seen. And I enjoy Guillermo del Toro, and I'm also doing the uh, Nightmare on Film Street's 31 Days of Horror Challenge. And so there's different themes for every day. And yesterday's mm-hmm. theme was was del toro movie so perfect uh so i watched that and wow it is so good mm-hmm. and to think that that was his first film mm-hmm. um and it it's it yeah like there's so much there that is very him but also like he does make you know even his very next film mimic obviously like people recognized him and said you were going to give you like real money to make real movies too mm-hmm. and he's still is able to take those real movies like Pacific Rim and Mimic and things like that, where another director would maybe lose their flavor because it's a big box sort of thing. But he still got it. And you can see all of that flavor. Like, it's all there in this first film. The entire, like, (laughs) blueprint of Guillermo del Toro is in Kronos. And it, it was so good and it was so beautiful. And I just, I really, really loved it. Um, well acted, well filmed, great story, obvious winner. Uh yes. Uh I, I will give a shout out. If if there were acting categories along with this, I'd say DB Sweeney gets uh at least a nom for Fire in the Sky. But yeah, like that the the end where you finally see like what happened while while he was abducted is like harrowing. Uh, you almost get PTSD watching it. Um, but it's uh, yeah, the the obvious choice here is uh, the man from Mexico. So the best picture winner from 1993 is Kronos by Guillermo del Toro. All right, so that brings us to the current century. Uh, the year is 2003, and these are the best picture for the horror Oscars. Uh, 28 days later, from Danny Boyle. Freddy versus Jason by Ronnie Yu. Phone Booth from Joel Schumacher. I know it's more on the thriller side, but I think it still counts. You're trapped in a phone booth. Nothing more. Uh, and kids, ask your parents about phone booths. <laughs> um, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre from Marcus Nispel and Willard from Glenn Morgan. Uh, all right, Candace, your notes. Yeah, so uh, I haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yet. I might have maybe seen it when it came out, but I don't remember. I've, I'm actually currently doing sort of a a, a watch through of the entire um, series and I, remakes. I, I, I find it very hard to believe you didn't see the one that stars Jessica Biel's abdomen. I I did just rewatch that actually this week, and then I I watched the 2007 one that came right after it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, kids, the uh, mid 90s is that the one that we're looking at? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the Jessica Biel version, right? Yes. Okay, so I have seen that one. Then there's a, there's another one that comes sometime after i don't know there's who can even remember because they're all called the same thing there's the next generation which was in the 90s um that was shot in like 93 94 that's the great one and it didn't come (laughs) out till like 97 because matthew mcconaughey and renee zellweger had to get famous first yeah um But yeah, this is the 2003 okay, so, one from Platinum Dunes. Right. So it is the one that I watched. I rewatched just this week. Um, the the early 2000s. <laughs> this is also the same thing with the Black Christmas remake. Um, mm-hmm. We were all just such edgelords back then. <laughs> and we all thought that being complete jerks to each other was like the best way to interact as humans and just like we're best friends and we call each other terrible things and it's all good and everything like this movie rewatching it was just like so much of that dirty horrible mean early 2000s thing that we had going on and i don't Mm. know freddie versus jason actually had a lot had a little bit of that too (laughs) though a lot more fun yeah phone booth is a great pick and i'm glad that you put it on here because i think it really shows that people think that horror movies are just like the texas chainsaw massacre but they're not like horror is a lot of different things and phone Mm -hmm. booth is a very tense and and quick sort of movie where like it never lets up it's I mean, it's basically like a bottle episode. Like, this could be a yeah. play. You could do it on stage. This one person in a phone booth, another voice on the line, and then a couple of people outside of the phone booth. And it's so well done. Um, yeah. And uh, not to spoil it, even though it's like 20 years old, but the voice on, like, the person doing the voice on the other end of the line is so great. It's Keeper uh, Sutherland. Fine. Go ahead and spoil it. <laughs> it's, it's, you can tell it's his voice he has a distinct voice it's true but you know he shows up in the end in person too yeah. um but obviously <laughs> the obvious choice is 28 days later um because it's danny boyle mm-hmm. and uh you know he before the scream resurgence or after the scream resurgence we then had to have a zombie resurgence and mm-hmm. danny boyle let it by starting the fast zombies of 28 days later made mm-hmm. zombies scary and mm-hmm. not a social commentary um which as a george romero fan you know i love the social commentary aspect of of zombies but i think there's a lot scary about them too and danny boyle mm-hmm. made them very scary never letting us forget though that in the end it's really the humans who are scary uh yes uh and I mean this sincerely. Uh, Danny Boyle won Best Director for Slumdog Millionaire. Should have won it for this. 
It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it never would have happened in a million years, but honestly, if there's a Danny Boyle movie, <laughs> you know, where he's, it's, I mean, just because of the, the influence, like alone, you know, this is the movie that, you know, you don't, I don't think you get Shaun of the Dead without this. You don't get George Romero off the couch and in, back into the genre without this. You certainly don't get The Walking Dead without this because Walking Dead famously starts the same way that 28 Days Later starts. Although it's Robert Kirkman says that was incidental that he was working on the, the comic around the same time sure. that, <laughs> that 28 Days Later. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, just an aside, it never really stuck out to me how you know, Rick is like on a ventilator and no nothing tried to eat him. That'll leaving that aside. Um, yeah, 28 days later. So I, I think uh, let me let me just do the do it properly. The best picture for the horror Oscars in 2003 is 28 days later. All right. So that brings us to 2013. Um, here are the nominees getting a little trickier because there's so much content coming out as we're getting to this point mm -hmm. uh byzantium directed by neil jordan uh the conjuring by james wan the evil dead by fidi alvarez stoker by pan shan wook and you're next by adam wingard um byzantium seems like an odd choice but it's neil jordan it's neil jordan doing vampires so putting my academy hat on i was like it would be too good for the academy to ignore that the horror academy um would definitely go like ooh neil jordan making a vampire movie it must be great um but anyway that's that's one of the, <laughs> the notes i wanted to put on there and you're next uh a slasher movie but it's a slasher movie that goes back to like we're doing a serious slasher movie that's not uh, a remake um it's an original thing it's original slasher movie and this is like becomes i think adam wingard's calling card and then he goes off and makes godzilla versus kong but uh that's at some point in the future but leaving that aside uh candace uh what are your notes for 2013 yeah so 2013 i uh have a write-in ballot for 2013 as well here we go um so uh 2013 this is and could be argued that it doesn't necessarily uh you know fit fit your your criteria mm-hmm because I think it was very much a sleeper hit. And I think it's mostly something that people have gone back and re um, realized that, that like it even existed. And that's Oculus by Mike Flanagan. Um, it was his first feature length film. And obviously Mike Flanagan has gone on to become quite the horror master, mm -hmm. but I saw it uh, in 2013 and I, loved it i was so impressed by that movie it was so original it was scary um i also find mirrors to be scary so that's a whole other thing um it was also full of heart because it was about like a brother and a sister mm -hmm. and uh, similar to chronos it had so much of of what mike flanagan brings to all of his films right there um but i really enjoyed that film uh and frankly i would actually award it uh over any of these other ones um i haven't actually seen byzantium or stoker unfortunately so i can't say much about that um evil dead was good it wasn't for me <laughs> it was very bloody it felt kind of mean also 
Um, but mm. I know that a lot of people really, really enjoyed that film. Your Next is funny because I knew that I'd heard a lot of people really liked it. And I saw it on your 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 list here. And I was like, oh, no, did I never actually get around to seeing Your Next? And I looked it up. And I looked up on Letterboxd. Thank God for Letterboxd. And apparently I did watch it. I watched it like two <laughs> years ago. And I have all, next to no memory of it at all. So mm. I was like, okay, maybe it didn't make that much of an impact on me. The Conjuring, however, I do really like. Um, I haven't rewatched it in a while, but at the time, it had the best jump scare. Like, it would go on my top five of jump scares with the one from Exorcist Three, obviously being first, mm-hmm. with the nurse in the the hospital. Mm-hmm. But um, the the clap behind, um, yeah, uh, Lily uh, Tomlin. Tomlin. No, not Tomlin. No. Uh, Lily, I'll I, look it up. Hold on. Keep I know going. it's gone. Um, the clap from behind her head, like kind of to the left of her head in the dark, like just, I I was watching it. Um, Taylor. We had rented it. Taylor? Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. We had rented it and I had to stop it. And I was like, oh my God. Like that <laughs> was so good. Because mm-hmm. I'm very rarely scared by jump scares like some many times i will jump because it's an adrenaline sort of thing but yeah. that actually also like gave me fright <laughs> which <laughs> is not a thing i usually get so if i have to choose from your list i'll say the conjuring but i really think that oculus was actually the best film that year uh speaking on behalf of the academy they do recognize uh the, the talent of mike flanagan but uh they really see him as more of a tv guy um <laughs> oh i see <laughs> <laughs> but i this is the academy talking not me um i haven't watched oculus in a while so i can't really comment on it um yeah the, the conjuring it's period it's you got two great actors um it was a box office hit a critical hit uh, it checks all the boxes. Um, if the, if the Academy was sort of like in an avant-garde mood, I could see them going with Stoker because that, that's another acting clinic with Nicole Kidman and uh, what's his name? Uh, anyway, um, but, you know, let's just go, we're going to let the Academy go with its instinct. The 2013 Best Picture at the Horror Oscars goes to The Conjuring. And with that, um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about the twenty oh, uh, the twenty twenty three horror Oscars? Any early favorites? Um, that is an excellent question. You know, I've been watching so many horror movies this <laughs> last three months that it's hard to even remember which ones came out this year. Mm. Um, I haven't seen Talk to Me yet, but mm. boy, I sure am hearing a lot about how good that film is. So yeah. that might end up on there after I uh, after I get to see it. The Alien Invasion one on, I can't remember its name, on Disney Plus, too, is getting a lot of good buzz. So, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to maybe revisit this next, uh, next Halloween. Um, as for this Halloween, we still have The Exorcist Believer to review. Uh, do we believe that it's something you should see this Halloween? We'll be right back. You are listening to End Credits here on... CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
But we know that Father, Father, because of that blood, we were saved one day and claimed heaven as our home. Catherine. Catherine. So we praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The body and the blood. The body and the blood. Catherine. The body and the blood. Catherine. The body and the blood. The body and the blood. Okay, that was a clip from The Exorcist Believer. It's the new film from David Gordon Green, and it stars Leslie Odom Jr. and Dowd, Lydia Jewett, Olivia O'Neill, Jennifer Nettles, Robert Leo Butts. And uh, they brought her out of mothballs for this. Ellen Burstyn, almost 100 years old. Ellen Burstyn. Uh, well, not, she's 90, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's you 90 know. 90 still closer to 100 than 40. So. Touche. Um, <laughs> I feel like if I start talking about this, I won't stop. So, Candace, kick us off with some of your thoughts about <laughs> exercise. <laughs> All right. Uh, well... My first thought about Exorcist uh, Believer is um, what I think to be the anecdote of the year, possibly the century. Um, this film was meant to uh, debut on uh, the the um, weekend of October 13th, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, and had to reschedule their, their opening date because... Um, queen goddess uh that as she is uh, taylor swift decided to put out her concert film starting on october 13th and that was announced about a month before it happened so mm-hmm. <laughs> blumhouse she went sure did. yeah we're not stupid we're <laughs> not gonna open that weekend no way no way no how so they opened up a week earlier um and uh i i love that uh, you know <laughs> i think that's uh not that I disliked the movie, but mm-hmm. I think that that might be the best story about this movie <laughs> that there is. Um, <laughs> I I didn't I did not dislike this movie. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of other people uh, have been um, have hated it or been cold about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this was always going to be a losing battle because mm-hmm. The Exorcist simply is like one of the best sort of horror films and films made but you can never make that again because Mm. times have changed so dramatically and the exorcist was so good because it put a child in peril and it put a child Mm. in like really significant peril from a uh an entity that people still believed in in the 70s Right. Like there were people like people were really struggling with their faith in the 70s. It was really becoming like mm-hmm. that's sort of the beginning of the world that we live in now where there are, you know, as many or more non-believers as there are believers at all. And not only that, like the things that Reagan did in the film mm-hmm. were horrifying at that time. Mm-hmm. That was really like, even if an adult had said some of the things that this 12 year old girl said, it would have been completely shocking in a movie theater, let alone the fact that it was coming out of a girl. 
we just talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those are the things that the the characters in Texas Chainsaw Massacre were saying to each other as jokes for friends. Like, hey, we love each other so much. We say these terrible things to each other. Isn't that great? It's just simply <laughs> not shocking anymore. So for people to be coming out of this movie going, it wasn't even scary. I'm like, you. it, it is literally impossible for any movie to ever be as scary as The Exorcist was at the time that it came out. It's just not going to happen. So don't go in there thinking that that's what you're going to get because you're not. The other thing is that David Gordon Green, I have really come to respect David Gordon Green and his filmmaking. Uh, I know you and I have differing views on some of the Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came out of the last one, my main opinion was, you know what? This guy had something to say and he was going to do it no matter what. He didn't care. like he, <laughs> he did not care about the audience. He cared about what he was trying to say. And what I think that I like about David Gordon Green is that he doesn't remake movies from the 70s that we all love, these like classics that can't be touched. What he does is make a movie about what he got out of watching that movie when he was a kid. So he's not mm-hmm. trying to remake it. Right. So this movie to me, what he got and I what I what I saw on on screen was about faith and was about God, but not in like a religious way. It was in a way where it's like all that religion crap, Mm. that's a whole thing. And it has nothing to do with with faith or with believing or with, you know, wanting the best. And he he made the hero of his film a person who doesn't really believe in all of that faith stuff, but yet still believed enough to get good mm. happen to him. Mm. Whereas the people who did believe and were faithful did not mm-hmm. get what they wanted. And that's what I think his point was. And I think that he made it. Uh, and I think that it was, a jumbled mess how he made it but i think part of that is because i know that there were a lot of there was a lot of interference there was a lot of going back and forth um i think this all started with the first halloween movie because that was really good it was really well received and then as the other ones came out i think people started to go oh maybe this guy isn't doing what we thought he was doing with the halloween franchise so hold on, what's he doing with the Exorcist franchise? Mm, mm. And then they started going, what's what's going on in there? Can we maybe, can we make some changes? Can we do some things? There's been a lot of talk about Ellen Burstein's character. Mm-hmm. It was clear that a lot changed there mm-hmm. because I was watching it and I'm, wa- I'm watching a scene where she's going to confront one of the two, by the way, there are two girls who are who are possessed here. Mm-hmm. She's going to go confront one of the girls who is possessed. And I'm just watching it going, I'm sorry, if we brought Ellen Burstein here just to <laughs> kill her off, then I'm out. Like, this is this is dumb. And yeah. that isn't what they did. But I also think that what they what did happen in the movie also isn't what was supposed to happen. I think it was supposed to be something different. And she was supposed to serve a whole different purpose in this movie. But for whatever reason, it was just like, Oh, yeah, that no, we gotta we gotta do something here. We gotta change it. I hope maybe at some time we'll find out a little bit about 
what was supposed to happen there. But yeah, it's... there are definitely parts that are like, I think we were going in one direction and then someone said, mm, nope, we got to do something else. And I don't know who that someone was and I don't know what it was they didn't like or what they wanted. But I think it wasn't a terrible movie. There I don't think problems, it, yeah, yeah. But, but it was, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I came out going, that was pretty good. Um, mostly that what I didn't like mm. was the one girl, Catherine, all of the best sort of exorcist scenes, the demon possession scenes mm. were given to her. Mm. And I didn't care about her character. And I don't think that the actress could do it. And I didn't mm. care about her parents. So the whole thing with the first exorcist is you're watching the, this woman that you love, watch her daughter, who you love also, just do these really bizarre, like just the, the long, slow, like yeah. one thing is a little bit weird. And then we yeah. add a couple more things. And it's just this creeping dread of what is happening with my daughter. And we all are on the, the road because we love it. And then things get really wild. And she says really terrible things. Yeah. They gave most of those terrible things to one of the characters that we're not really following. Like all of the scenes with Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, as uh, what's his name? Victor. Victor. Yeah. yeah Victor. And his daughter, um, Lydia Jewett. Pl- uh, Angela, yeah. All of the scenes between the two of them, when she was starting to get a little weird, were mm. scary. I felt mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. but I don't know why they didn't want to give her the really, you know. Yeah, this you you've talked me down a little. I'm still not prepared <laughs> to say that I like it. I. I... <laughs> I don't actively hate it, but it, it is profoundly disappointing. I think I went back and rewatched the 2018 Halloween because I'm just like, how did this go so wrong? How did this thing go so right? And how did it go way downhill? Um, what, what I think when you go back and watch that 2018 Halloween, it has an it has ideas. It knows how, what it wants to do with them. It has good actors who are just sort of allowed to play things out. There is so much happening in Exorcist Believer all the time. There are so many characters. And, you know, I I, I get the idea behind it. I get the idea that this is like this commentary on what does faith look like in a secular time? Um, How does how do different faiths sort of work off of each other? You know, you get an exorcist scene where it's, it's not just the Catholic priest, um, but it's like, it is a, however, just a number of Christian religions though. Yeah. Which I it's found interesting. Christian, yeah. It's Christian variants, um, which is, I mean, I, I will say that uh, the, the mega church pastor didn't punk out. That was a surprising development. I really thought that was what was going to happen. Um, but it just it 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 does not like the world of of the Halloween twenty eighteen. It feels lived in. You have characters who are sitting there having conversation, like the two cops are talking about the bomby sandwiches. Um, the the scene with the uh, the babysitter and the little kid Ronnie, you know, where they're just like chewing the fat. Um, that's a movie that you know it feels like people living in a real world, um, where this terrible thing happened years before and there was this like now now there's this more new terrible thing happening um 
in the Exodus believer, and again, to to your point, you can't recreate the alchemy of the exorcist you get one shot and and that's that although i will say that exorcist 3 does a pretty good job of of you know the banality of evil it's just like here's people living in everyday life doing everyday things and this like evil force comes into it um that they have to try and reconcile that they don't fully understand that makes them question things um but in this like yeah the the stuff with uh Angela and Victor, when she comes back after they've been missing, the two girls have been missing for three days and the lights are going on and off and the lights go off and she's standing there and she's like, what did you say? And she's like, I didn't say anything. And like that stuff is genuinely creepy, but all through this, <laughs> you've been waiting for the possession, waiting for the realization that they are possessed, realizing the, or, you know, watching for the, how do we treat a possession and let's pretend it's mental health. Um, and then, finally getting to the exorcism it, it, it you feel like the movie goes through the motions which is um kind of painful because it's like what are we it's it's the millhouse things like what are we gonna get to the exorcism <laughs> and that's not what you're thinking when you're watching the original exorcist and like the actual exorcist in the exorcist is like the last like 10 minutes um it, it just it's it's and this may be i mean i couldn't see the screen half the time because of all the studio guys fingerprints but um <laughs> but it, you know it it does feel like there was a mishmash of like what are we doing here the movie just wasn't allowed to be you have like really talented actor like leslie odom jr um such a talented actor i've never seen him be bad in anything even this i don't think he's bad in this no he was great like yeah he carried i mean he was meant to carry the film but he definitely yeah. carried the film but like ann dowd um who plays like a nurse at the hospital and she has this backstory about how um she was in nun training and then she went on this this kind of iffy i didn't really understand she had like nun rumspringer or something <laughs> and um got pregnant and then had an abortion and then stopped being a nun and i'm just like what 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 is this supposed to add to this? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure. Like, if, if if she had gotten the abortion and stayed a nun, and then she had this kind of like, I mean, I realize that's not a sin to have an abortion, but in Catholic quarters, it is a sin. You know, being a nun who had a, an abortion, what does that look like? Um, the whole subplot later on, where the priest is like, "Rome won't let me do the exorcism because they don't want the bad press or something," and then she has to do it. This is the other thing too, like that scene where where Chris McNeil goes in to confront one of the girls. I just had this vision from like Jurassic World Dominion where everyone starts holding up their hand to the dinosaurs to control them. Like, yeah, any of us, like we can all do exorcisms now. It's cool. Like it's ex we, you know, exorcism is a power we give ourselves. <laughs> and yeah. And really the only, there's no rites of exorcism. You just, you know, pray. Yeah. you just, just recite the Lord's prayer. It's fine. Hold, hold up a cross, read some stuff and away you go. And it, it just, it, it, it just it feels it just doesn't feel great it just you know they had to in the whole thing in the exorcist is they had to wheel this like super old priest out to do the thing um well you know uh, you know father damien is is riding shotgun because you know he's dealing with his own stuff and it just because none of this is allowed to sort of stew or like breathe we're just like 
driving a truck through all these plot points and to, to, to get to the end. And I a hundred percent get the message as you sort of laid it out, you know, the, the, the testing of faith and the people who, you know, are going to church every week. It's like, are they as faithful as they seem? Well, as you know, have the, the father who's been through tragedy and is, you know, has embraced sort of antipathy to religion. How does he find faith to see his child through this, this dangerous circumstance? I just feel like it's, it's all, it, it's all just a checklist that Gordon Green's like going down a list and just doing it. And like, no scene is allowed to sit. Um, we're not allowed to sort of, you know, just sort of stew in the emotion of it. We get to the end and it's, you know, he might as well just put a to be continued with a question mark at the end of the movie. I, I, cause it's very clear that there's, I mean, we're going to get more, um, but it, it, it just, it, it doesn't feel, I guess, complete to me. It, it just, it feels like we're just, we have the rights of the exorcist and we got to do something with it. And it's just another horror movie, which I'm sorry to say. I, yeah. I don't hate it, but it's, it's it's profoundly disappointing that there's clearly an idea here um, and it's just a sloppy execution, whether that's studio bungling, whether that's, you know, green, you know, just sort of being exhausted with this stuff. I don't know. It's just it. He, I, I don't like Halloween kills. I do have a lot of. um, Not animosity, the opposite of animosity, appreciation. I have a lot of appreciation for what he does in Halloween ends up until the point we have to bring Michael Myers in. <laughs> we have to staple <laughs> Michael Myers at the end of that movie. When we have to remind everybody, oh yeah, you are watching a Halloween film. <laughs> um, But those were movies of ideas, at least. I don't know if this is a movie of ideas. There's an idea in there, but it's not a movie about ideas. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think there, there is a lot missing here and mm -hmm. so it's it's almost two hours this this film it's a little bit shorter than two hours mm -hmm. and uh everybody knows how i feel about long movies but yep. i think this needed to be longer like there there was obviously stuff missing mm -hmm. like the the um catherine the other girl yeah i mean she was nobody like we really had no introduction to her whatsoever. We ended up yeah. spending a fair amount of time with her parents. And I think that there was some interesting stuff there. Mm -hmm. Like I I I think that there could have been more said there about like is faith something like, you know, her dad, right? Like, are you a good man because you go to church? Mm -hmm. Or do you go to church and like you you are a good man who goes to church? Like yeah. he he thought that you know it, i mean it was clear that he thought all that church stuff just made him a good person but he wasn't but one we see like we don't get any impact of that after like the movie kind of ends too quickly after yeah. such a like huge thing happens yeah but then we also don't really get enough of that early on either like yeah if they're going to try to make that be a, the idea or a big part of it, then they have to give us as much with their family as they did with uh, Victor and Angela. Because yeah. Victor and Angela was great. It was a really, really 
it was very believable. It was really good. They yeah. like I I cared. Um and I didn't care about the other. But uh Jennifer Nettles, I think is her name. So she played Catherine's mom, yeah. Miranda. She yeah. was great and I cared about her. And I think that she got her point across. And it's just like, okay, I I feel like there's supposed to be more here. Like I feel like we're supposed to care more about her. And she's just lost like she's lost her daughter and that we're just it's just over <laughs> like what <Yeah>. what what <laughs> um but yeah the whole the whole like chris mcneil of it is a real question mark like it's a it's a question mark i i don't i don't know if they just didn't know what to do with her and just brought her back because they could or if yeah. they had a whole other thing planned cuz it seemed okay when she was introduced i was like okay great yeah we're gonna get you know and it could have just ended there like Mm -hmm. they could have just introduced her had her in that scene where she explains about like what happened to her and that just be it but they brought her back into it i think they didn't want a glorified cameo i think that's i mean it's a glorified cameo anyway but i I think that's what they're thinking is they don't they didn't want that that to be like to be a one and done kind of scene thing i think what I think what the film is missing is that it should have been Reagan. And I think Linda Blair sort of had, um, she didn't want to be as heavily involved. Like she was apparently mm-hmm. like a, like an advisor, like helping the, the younger actresses, you know, through the whole being yeah. possessed by a demon thing. And, yep. and, and I did actually, that. I always stay for all of the credits yeah. and there was a child therapist, like child yeah. psychologist on set to help with that, which I think is very important. So yeah, I mean, it, it, so I mean, it just, I think the person who they wanted back, and I have no, nothing to back this up. I think they wanted Linda Blair, but Linda Blair didn't want to be back. And, and you know, that's fine. That's Linda Blair's choice. But like, as you said, um, we get characters in this who are not well-defined, not well-developed. And, you know, we could have taken that time. Like, we didn't know, we didn't need to see the whole backstory and like, Haiti and the earthquake. Like, I I have no skin in the game about using real-life tragedy as a story element, but um, I mean, that's like 10 to 15 minutes. We could have used developing other characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it tells a lot about Victor, though, and Maybe. a little bit about his story, too, right? Like, mm. he has to um yeah he has to forgive himself maybe um you'll have but to I, I mean this is all stuff that's just like that it was all there and you could have told it better like i yeah. see i see the the like i see the map for a good movie yeah so do i yeah 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 <laughs> well <laughs> when we get to the yeah 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 stage i think that means we're at the end of the review so um that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it you can listen to our show again by downloading it every friday from our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can find us on the guelph politicast channel on podbean or through your favorite app like apple google TuneIn, and spotify speaking of spotify you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits just open up spotify and search for end credits on cfru we're also on facebook at end credits radio show and we're on twitter at end credits radio i will be back here on cfru for something less spooky thursday at 5 p.m 
for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz, or maybe more spooky, depending on what's in the news. <laughs> but uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And Candice, where else can people seek you out on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet at sin48, C-I-N-N-4-8, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, Letterboxd, that's where you should find me right now. I'm uh, working on my 100 horror movies in 92 days. And as of recording day, which is Sunday, I'm at 84 films. Mm. And so I, I still have uh, uh, just under 10, I think nine days left to uh, to finish that up. So I might make it this year, folks. Well, well that's like a movie a day. Um, yeah, well, that's down from a movie and a half a day, which is what I <laughs> was trying to watch. All right. Well, we'll let Candace get back to that. In the meantime, stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits. Until then, happy Halloween.